Welcome back to Beyond the Helmet. I'm your host, Steve McGrath, and in this episode, I'm pleased to bring you Ricky Sapp. Now, I really enjoyed my conversation with Ricky because after he left his career of being a professional athlete, he has really turned a corner with what he is doing working with children. Almost our entire conversation is about how he has found this second career, the second part of his life after being an athlete, whether it's via the rickysappfoundation.com, which I would absolutely encourage you to check out, whether it's Dream Big, Live Big, what he's doing as the dancing substitute teacher, Talk To Me Tuesdays, he's all over social media, so check him out, whether it is LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, he's everywhere and he's promoting good. So I'm now gonna let Ricky talk, tell you his story, how he got here, what he's doing now, so without any further ado, here is Ricky Sapp. I am pleased to be joined today by Clemson legend, Ricky Sapp. Ricky, how are you doing today, man? Doing good, man. How you doing, brother? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, uh, you, you know, you're, you're doing so many big things right now that you know, I'm so thankful that I have the opportunity to unpack a little bit about this because from what I can see, you have the foundation going on. You have Dream Big, Live Big. I, I mean, you just started uh, Talk To Me Tuesdays for the last couple months. I, I oh, mean, yeah. I'm seeing you everywhere now. So how are you juggling your time? <laughs> well, it's definitely different, you know, but um, I'm enjoying it, man. Um, I love the fact that I can do my foundation and also use it to help people and then help it, you know, with, with, with my speaking. And then, of course, my Talk To Me Tuesday, I have that going on, too. So um, it's exciting for me. And I'm definitely enjoying it. Yeah. So from what I've seen, you're engaging not solely with, with the youth, but, but so much of what you post is with young kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, I actually I heard a quote from you that said, kids move my spirit. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure you, you were very focused on football for a long time. But in the last few years, how have you really come to feel that way and let that side of you really blossom and go and chase, you know, your passion in that direction? Well, I'm glad. Well, I'll be honest with you. You know, when I left football the way I did, I was depressed and, and, and had anxiety for almost, man, almost a year and a half, two years. I figured out my true purpose in life um, when I went to this high school called North Myrtle Beach High School. And I was a volunteer coach. And at this high school was where my real, that was when life really started for me. I fell in love with kids. I became so passionate with, with kids. And ever since then, I've tried to get around as many kids as possible. So, you know, that's why, you know, I, I said that quote, you know, kids move my spirit. I love them. But I, I know that my purpose is to encourage them and work with them. So, I mean, when you see kids, I mean, obviously there's all the cliches, you know, they are the future, this, that, and the other thing. That being said, like, what is, can you even narrow it down to what your primary message is besides, I'm sure, just like giving them that confidence and the positivity that they probably need? So my message to kids is this. They have the power and authority to help change this world and make it a better place than what it already is. I tell them that it's three things that they can implement to um, use that power and authority. The, the first one is lead you know we, we 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 need leaders and then the second one is be fearless you know unfortunately we live in a world where people will laugh at you for doing what's right you know so i tell them be be, be fearless you know uh do what's right even when people's people laugh at you and then the last one of course is my favorite dream big 
You know, don't let small minds convince you that your dreams are too big. So that's my message that I tell every kid that I come across. Yeah, and it's so so important to make sure that when you get a chance to, to be around kids, to, to give them, you know, plant that seed early so that over time it can grow. And with everything that's been going on in the world, I feel now more than ever, in my, you know, recent memory anyway, the importance <laughs> of making sure that those conversations um, and just thinking about things in the right way it needs to be done, you know, to not have those maybe strange conversations with, with your children about, you know, what they're doing and how they think uh, people need to jump into it uh, to ever with everything that's happened with George Floyd. And, you know, of course the fallout from that to engage in racism early to make sure that it's nipped in the bud and this thing can be forgotten about. I mean, I'm yeah. sure you see it every time kids don't see color when they're little, they just see other kids. That's it. That's it. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that because kids, the one thing that people need to remember about kids is that kids don't listen to nothing you say. <laughs> like, they don't <laughs> care what you say. But the one thing about kids is that they see everything you do. And without them even thinking about it, they eventually do what they see. So that's why it's so important. And that's why I tell adults, and, and I'll be honest with you, we are doing a terrible job. Because we are showing them what hatred looks like. We're showing them what pride and ego looks like. We're not showing them what it looks like to work together. We're not showing them how great it can be as a human being, as an adult human being. We're not showing them that. It takes a village to raise kids. I mean, it, 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 it really does. But if you look at the village right now, nobody's in that village. <laughs> and it's almost like we're saying to kids, it's like, all right, we don't really care about you. Just come on, let's come on, you know? So my opinion is if we want to change this world, then as adults, we have to understand that we have to turn our energy and focus on the kids. Kids don't listen to nothing we say. Everything they see, they do it. And that's just what I, that's just what I believe. And I, you know, I think the best part about what you're doing is the fact that instead of just thinking and having ideas, you're immediately engaging with kids. So in, 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 let's not just dwell on the situation and it's a pretty dire situation, but to immediately jump to action, to be like, okay, what's the solution? The solution is education and making sure that the future sees things the right way. There's, there's to me nothing more important than finding action that gets us the positive result. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm also, I'm a substitute teacher. Well, I'm the dancing substitute teacher, but... Uh, Kids need only a couple things, attention, energy, and love. That's all they need. And whenever I'm around kids, man, it's, it's crazy. Even the coolest kids, even the kids that people try to say, oh, you know what, that's just a bad kid. Even those kids, they need those things. You know, and, and, and I really believe that this is a God-given um, gift that, he's, that he has given me. When I talk to kids, even the kids that people say, oh, they're not going to listen. I sit and I listen to them. And once they see that they have my attention and, and, and I'm giving them attention, love, and energy, everything else, is, is, everything else goes up from there. Absolutely. I mean, isn't that the reason why anyone acts yeah. out ever? Is, yeah. you know, it's yeah. so, something that they feel that they were wronged or they're, that they're not getting what they think they need, particularly yeah. from a parent if it's a kid. I, I mean, yeah. it's... Yeah. 
it's not that difficult. Just got to show them a little love. That's it. That's it. One kid at a time, right? That's it. One kid at a time. That's it. Man, well, you know, for I think again, it, it's amazing what you're doing and the fact that you know you're only picking up steam, right? You've only been doing it for a couple of years. Um, That's do it, you, yeah. So of course you have the foundation. You have dream big, live big. Do you have any like absolute future goal in mind, or is it just going to be to help as many people as you can? My goal is to travel the world, man, and to speak to as many kids as possible, to encourage as many kids as possible but to also get in front of adults and put adults on notice that we have to, you know, uh, get back in that village and help these kids. So that's my big goal. That's my goal. Yeah. Don't burn down the village. Don't prepare burn the down village. the village. We got to prepare it, man. We got to come back to the village together. Awesome. Um, well, you know, Ricky, what, what I, I want to jump into with you now is, is sort of your road to get here. Because you already mentioned that you kind of went through a, a one to two year period of having anxiety, maybe a little bit of depression as you really navigate that space of I'm no longer a professional athlete. What am I now? Yeah. I, do you mind unpacking that a little bit? Because I, I want to just sort of, from what I could see anyway, it was, I believe, uh, 2015 with the Redskins in the offseason. And then that was sort of the last chapter that I found. I, I mean, ultimately, how did you come to the realization that there's going to be no more calls and you were going to be moving on. Man, you know, it's, I paint the picture like this. All my life, I played football. You know, all my life, I was, uh, I was that, I was the guy, you know, and I played football and I really didn't think about what else I would do too much. Like I really didn't think about that. So as I started that transition from football, man, I had no idea what the heck I was going to do. All my life, I had this structure. You know, I knew what I was going to be doing the year, even year, even months before, years before. So <clears throat> when that happened, of course, I didn't want to believe it. You know, I was still fighting, you know, trying to get an opportunity. And I just remember coming back home right here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And I kid you not, man, I was in my home for a year and a half, almost two years. And I was depressed. I was down. Um, I was embarrassed. Um, and I didn't really leave my house at all. You know, I was up all night and slept a little bit during the day. And I had no idea what I was going to do. And it got to a point where I think I left my house eventually. And I went to this gym with one of my, uh, one of my cousins. And this guy who coaches at, he was coaching at North Murray Beach High School at the time. He was like, man, you know, why don't you guys come by the school and speak to the kids? Now, up until that point, I've never spoken before. I was like, speak? What? You know, so I was like, all right, we'll do it. I went and spoke to that high school. They, the, that same guy, his name is Nate Allen, uh, Nate, Nate Landy. He texted me and said, man, why don't you come be a volunteer coach? I'm like, man, I'm not coming to be no coach. I play football. You know, at the time, I was still trying to fight for an opportunity. I'm like, man, I don't coach, you know, but he asked me again. And, you know, by this time, you know, one of my friends said, man, why don't you just give it a try? I go to the school and I'm, I'm volunteer coaching with these kids. Now this is going to sound bad. While I'm with these kids, I hated the fact that I was feeling so good around these kids. I hated it because in my mind, I was like, you know, I play football. The NFL season about to start. I shouldn't be loving what I'm doing right now. 
And these God doggone kids, man, they, they was just pulling on my heart. And I, was, I remember coming back home and like, man, why am I feeling like this with these kids? But even though I was doing that voluntary coaching with them, it was still some days that I was just so down and depressed that some days I couldn't even leave my, 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 my room, man. And I live in a house now. I couldn't leave my room. But on those days I, couldn't, I didn't show up, those kids would reach out to me and say, hey, man, you know, where were you? Practice, practice not the same. The energy not the same. And, you know, I had no idea at the moment that I was making this impact on these kids. So, so you know, long story short, one night, I was talking to some kids after a JV basketball game. You know, I, um, they kept me around to do JV basketball. And one night, I'm talking to these kids, and one of the kids said, man, why are you so tough on us, man? Why, 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 do, you, why do you care? And without me even thinking, I said, man, I love you, you know? And that was the night that God showed me what my purpose was in life. And I fell in love with kids. And um, that's where my passion comes from, you know, loving kids and trying to encourage kids, you know. So uh, once I figured it out, then everything shifted for me, you know. I started understanding that, all right, I got to stay around these kids. I got to get around kids. And those kids at North Murray Beach High School, they thought it was so cool to have an NFL guy around. You know, they were like, man, we got an NFL guy. But what happened was those kids, they saved my life. You know, they encouraged me. So that's, that's how I pretty much transitioned from the NFL to not doing what I'm doing now. That, that's amazing. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. So it, it was around those times where the dance move started to get revived and eventually <laughs> making their way into social media. Yeah, man. So, you know, all, you know, all that started to build up. You know, eventually I left that school. Then I started, you know, training kids. I, I just burst from training. I started training kids. The craziest thing is <laughs> everybody, that, I'm not sure I understand. everybody that saw me working with kids, it was like, man, you got to you got a gift, man. I was like, what are you talking about? But so I started doing some personal training with kids. And then of course, someone said, you need to be a substitute teacher. I'm like, nope, I'm not doing it. But I got into that. And then of course, I'm like, all right, I want to be able to relate to the kids. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna start dancing. I already, I like to dance a little bit. So that's why I'm the dancing sub. So when I go to these schools, um, I call the kids out, say, hey, let's dance. Because if I can relate to them, I can get them to have conversations, you know, that they wouldn't, you know, really want to have, if that, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Talk about disarming, yeah. um, particularly yeah. if you're in a high school, you know, you get these kids that all of a sudden the, the ego and that, you know, they, they think they're yeah. big and but next thing you know, uh, that they have this big substitute teacher that's challenging to a, a, a dance off. They're just like, wait, wait what? Yeah, man. That's so, how you break the ice. Yeah, man. I can't beat him. I, I I have yet to win a dance battle, but I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, trying. As, as a professional athlete, you know practice makes perfect. So I, I think you're going to get there one yeah. day. Yeah. So so that's how, that's how pretty much everything started to transition. And then the speaking came a little later. You know, somebody just came up and said, hey, uh, we lost we lost our speaker. You mind coming to speak to this middle school uh, FCA? And I went and spoke there. And then after that, I was speaking every other week. <laughs> so, so now, you know, I, I, I do the motivation of speaking as well. That's awesome. For, yeah. for you to hit a bottoming out of sorts and then, you know, find a way to, to reignite that passion in a different route is 
that's what life's all about is finding a way yeah. to pivot and then find success someplace else. And to see that yeah. you are just well on your way and picking up steam is so awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then, of course, the Facebook lives came, you know, so um, I do I do encouragement Sunday on Facebook live. But the big one is Talk to Me Tuesday. Um, uh, people definitely love that day. I just moved it to a new platform on Crowdcast. So um, I'm definitely enjoying it. That's great. I, I Again, I, I can't wait to see where it goes because it, it's just picking up steam. And I'm sure that as you continue to do it, you're going to be able to reach more and more and more people. The platform's only going to grow. Yeah, thank you. Man. I appreciate that. Uh, so I, I did just want to ask, though, because your football journey, despite the fact that it ended the way it did uh, in that I'm sure you wanted it to go on longer, you know, you were able to, you know, play alongside in, in four great coaches, great athletes. So I just wanted to, you know, just starting with, you know, Dabo Swinney, you know, who takes over while you're at Clemson uh, as Coach Bowden exits stage left. Did you see at that time the the makeup, what he was doing? Maybe it's his character. It was, what was it about Coach Swinney that allowed him to just – use that and what he did for the next decade and is still doing is it's unbelievable. No one thought there'd be another Nick Saban to challenge Alabama until he <laughs> popped up and all of a sudden, you know, Clemson is there every single year. Did you see anything back then about how he'd be able to have that future success? Well, the thing that I always tell people is we already knew who he was because he was a receivers coach and the same guy that we see now that everybody see, he was the same person as a receiver coach high energy, passionate. He would coach your behind up hard, but he would also love you hard. He would also, you know, um, show his faith. So when he got that job, man, as I was a junior when he took over, as seniors, what we were saying to ourselves was, man, we wish we had a couple more years with this guy because we knew that he was going to do some great things. Like, we really knew it. That's wild. Um, yeah. And very, you can find a clip of him within the last year or two. And it's always about faith in doing right by his guys and making sure that they become good men, not just good yeah. football players. So it's, uh, yeah. I'm glad he's been able to stay true to that. Yeah. But when you look at him and then compare him to like, a, you know, Wade Phillips or an Andy Reid, um, even Rex Ryan, who, you know, maybe didn't have the same level of success that Andy Reid did, but by all means, a very successful coach. Did you see things that these guys were doing that in just specifically from a coaching perspective, like running an organization that you were like, man, they, they have success because they're doing X. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, um, man, all great coaches, uh, Rex Ryan, I, I, in my opinion, I felt like the way he ran things, he was kind of similar to coach Sweeney because he had good, really good energy. He related to the players really well. Um, so I thought, you know, I thought Rex could have been even bigger as a head coach than what he was. Um, of course, Wade and Andy, I think all three coaches, I think one of the things that they had was that they could relate to the players very well because Andy could do, Andy could relate, believe it or not, Wade Phillips, he relates well to the players. So I think that they all had those things in common. And I think that's why you've seen Andy Reid be successful now because Andy Reid was a player's coach. He is a player's coach. But he also is a tough coach that he tries to get the most out of you. Got it. Yeah. And then in, in terms of players, you know, I know 
you kind of, you were playing defensive end when you got to the league, you know, you start doing a little bit more outside linebacker. Do you yeah, yeah. remember um, cause when Philly drafts, you know, Brandon Graham is there, uh, they, they drafted yeah, the, yeah. the same year, but I mean, guys like, you know, whether it's, you know, Trent Cole, um, or if you just look more like linebackers, like when you get to the Jets, you know, there's the Calvin Paces of the world that seemed more oh, yeah. your, your size and style. Yeah. Uh, do you do you recall anyone in particular that like really helped you sort of get your bearings and try to take your game to the next level? Oh heck yeah, man! You know, believe it or not, <laughs> in Philly, one, one one of the guys that really tried to help me was actually an offensive lineman, and it was Jason Peters. <laughs> oh, wow, He's still yeah, trying to play, man. by the way. Yeah, yeah, man. So Jason Peters was a guy that was like, hey, man, you know, you know. Just, just try this or do this, you know, you know, do that, you know. So he was one of the first guys that really tried to help me. And then Calvin Pace, um, Byron Thomas. Uh, Calvin Pace was really a big one. Uh, Antonio Camarati was a um, was a big one. You know, I looked at those guys and I was like, man, you know, they do it the right way. They come, they come to work. They do extra work. They do X, Y, and Z. So those guys played a major part. You know, and and me just trying to learn what it looks like to be a professional athlete. Got it. And, and you know, I, I know that you get hurt pretty early in your time in Philly, but for the time that you you did get a chance to get out there, what, what was it like just lining up? You know, with Mike Vick at quarterback, they got Shady McCoy back there. I mean, oh, just trying to play defense <laughs> against guys like that. How do you even go about trying to not look like a fool out there in practice? Oh man, it was. Oh, man. I wish I can go back right now, man, and just be in that moment. Uh, I remember when we first got out there in our first mini camp, and, you know, Michael Vick was out there. And <laughs> as rookies, we were standing, you know, right behind the offense watching Michael Vick, you know, do his thing. And I remember we leaned over to each other like, hey, man, that's, that's Michael Vick right there, man. <laughs> like, we were starstruck, man. Like, you know, so – it was exciting, man, to see him, McCoy, Deshaun Jackson, um, uh, Jeremy uh, Macklin, all those guys, man. It was, it was definitely unbelievable, in my opinion. You know, it, it, um, it really was. And it, I, I can only imagine. It, but you know, one thing when I was trying to just get a, a firmer grasp on your career, you know, I, I know that the knee injury happens in Philly, and I don't want to take it to a, a bad place here. But, but is no, that I'm more or less? sort of what derails everything, you know, for you in terms of being able to do what you want out, out on the field? Yeah, man. You know, um, I tore my ACL in college, actually. And up at, up until that point, I, was, I I had never been hurt in my life. Never. You know, maybe have some, some bumping bruises here, but I've never been hurt. Then to get to Philly and get hurt again, you know, and even to the Jets, stay kind of hurt, you know. So it was definitely – it was it was a new space for me, you know. So it 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 definitely took its toll. And do you have just any advice that you'd give to you know, any athlete out there that's trying to struggle and push through? They get dealt that setback. It's the first time that they're hurt like that, and it, it essentially can plague you for the rest of your life, let alone career. I mean, how did you stay mentally focused trying to battle back? Well, I'm glad you said that because my first injury it knocked me down, man. Like, like mentally, I was, mentally, I was definitely out of it for a while, you know, but what I started doing was I started looking at it like, all right, this is just another opportunity for me to be competitive with myself because, you know, you have to defeat yourself every day. So I said, you know what, I'm going to just compete 
and, you know, prove to myself and coaches that I can come back. And that was my mindset. You know, what I would tell, you know, uh, the young athletes now is just make sure that you're doing everything to make sure you're taking care of your body, stretching, putting the right stuff in your body. But also one of the most important things is make sure you have a, a good supporting cast because that plays a major part in you, you know, taking care of your body. And if you do get hurt, you have them right there with you, encouraging you and bringing you along. Absolutely. I'm a firm believer that you are the aggregate of the five people that are closest to you. So, I mean, having that, that right supporting group is, you know, that, that'll make or break you. Amen. I agree. Uh, well, as we get to the end here, Ricky, um, you know, I want to make sure that everyone knows uh, before we hit the gauntlet, which is what we end on, I want to make sure everyone knows where they can find you because, uh, you know, obviously you got a lot going on. It, it's only going to grow. So where's the best way for people to, to follow you and, and just stay up to date with, with what you're doing? Well, first, I, I have my own website. It's called the RickySatFoundation.com. And then I'm on all social media platforms. I'm on Facebook. Um, Instagram, I'm on there as the Ricky Sap Foundation on Instagram. I'm on Twitter as Sap91. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on I'm on all of them. So they can definitely find me on all those social media platforms. Right, well, well, there you go. So, Ricky, then, as promised, to get you out of here, I need to ask you to go through the gauntlet one more time. I got some quick hitter questions for you that I need your knee-jerk answer on. All right. Gotcha. What's most important in winning? Is it having the number one offense or the number one defense? Oh, no. Come on. I think number one defense. I, I do, too, despite what the NFL tells you. Yeah. I think it's defense. defense. Now, did you have a pregame ritual that you stuck to? Yeah, man. Actually, I, I got this one from Calvin Pace. What I would do is I would go out, of course, early, um, do my own warm-up, listen to music. Um, I would even sit down after I did my warm. I would sit down and just kind of take the moment in. I did that um, every every game for every game. Has that translated over before? Maybe it's a substitute teaching day or before a big speaking engagement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so now what I do is I just I look at it as a as a football game. I just get myself hyped, you know, give myself a little pep talk, and then I I, I go and do it. There you go. Now. Was there ever one player that you just wish you would have had a chance to play with? Oh, that's a good question, man. Jeez, man. I'll say this. I played with some great players, man. J.J. Watt. C.J. Spiller is probably one of the best players I ever played with on and off the field. Um, but a guy that – you know what? If I could have played with Reggie Bush. <laughs> How about that? Reggie Bush. That would have been cool, I think. That would have been – you know, put that right up there with Mike Vick of, you know, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what's most important? Is it the players or is it the scheme? I think the players. I think the players. Jimmy's and Joe's over the X's and O's, as I've heard more than once here. Yeah, I think. Because, I, I mean, you can, you can have this great scheme, but if you don't have the players, man, to, 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 to implement that scheme and play in that scheme, I don't think it'll work, in my opinion. I tend to agree. Yeah. Now, I got one more for you. I think it's most important, just given everything you've been able to accomplish and the fact that you're already influencing a lot of young minds out there, what's the best piece of advice right now that you would give to anyone? But maybe if it helps, in particular, a younger athlete that's looking to get to the heights that you were able to reach. I would say this. We all got the same 24 hours every day. 
and what you do with it, that's going to determine your success. So whatever it is you want to do, your 24 hours has to point to that thing. And that's the advice that I would give a kid or an adult. What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do? Everything that you, you want to do, your time has to say, yeah, he wants to do that. Because time is what we want the most of, but unfortunately, it's what we use poorly. And that's the one thing that we all have equally, right? No matter yeah. who you are, no where you live, you it doesn't matter. You only have 24 per day. Yes, sir. Ricky, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate you coming on. I can't wait to see what the future holds. Thank you, man. I appreciate it.